welcome to The Three Good Podcast, a weekend podcast where I talk about all things to do with positive psychology, well-being, resilience, mental health and emotional intelligence. I'm your host, Sukhpavia. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 22 of The Three Good Podcast. Uh, it's been quite nice over the last week to have been talking quite regularly with my last guest, Ryan Tamasebi, about the ongoing impact of the podcast on uh, people who've been listening to it. It was first, you know, I, and I said this to Ryan um, at the end of the call that we had and the recording that I was really, really pleased about how open he was in that conversation. And I th- one of the pieces he came back to me on and said was that we really normalized the conversation around mental health and well-being for men in particular and obviously it affects everybody and uh, and since then he's become quite um, quite energized to want to try and do more in this space and support people uh, quite closely around this. So I'm really looking forward to his ongoing exploration of what that's going to be and I'm pleased that we could find a, a really healthy platform where we could talk about this in a, in a really really great way. So today's episode uh, I have, or this weekend's episode, I have returning guest Mark Gilroy. Hi Mark. Hello Sue, it's great to be back. I love having you on Mr. You're, uh, there's a reason I keep bringing you back, and it's because you're a wonderful man. You're very kind. Well, this is this will be number three. I it is. It is yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you might just have to start your own podcast eventually. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having you. Um, uh, uh, having us both talk through again, just uh, kind of some some good. Good topics that we, that we do get into um, around uh, around the podcast and effects on well-being and different things different things that we often hear about that affect well-being and um, and uh, resilience and how we can live uh, a good and uh, a thorough life, I suppose, in, in lots of different ways. How you been, Mark? I've been really well, thank you, sir. It's been a, it's been. Um... A very transformational year for me in all right. kinds of ways. Um, so, uh, aside from my um, my day job at TMSDI, I, I became a dad this year. I know um, you did. Which was fantastic. Which has been just wonderful. Um, but also a, a, an amazing piece of learning as well. Um, learning how much I can survive on 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 various amounts of sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> learning about um, just well, I guess just pure action learning. It's been a, it's been a really <laughs> yeah. um, a pure action learning experience, um, and um, yeah, it's still ongoing, of course. Of course. So here's the here's the question then: If it is, um, I, I like the um, analogy of action learning. So so when are you doing your reflection, Mister? When, when are right. you? <laughs> so luckily. I um for for a few years now I've been practicing journaling. Nice. Um and I, I tried I tried the traditional kind of bullet journey journaling approach and yeah. uh I, I it wasn't really for me. Um so um I ended up drifting back to tech and I I and I discovered this app called Day One and it has a little system built in that where you can do something yeah. which is it chimes really nicely with the theme of your podcast. So okay. um, at the end of the day, uh, unless I've got something in particular I want to journal about, mm-hmm. um, this is just a daily habit. So the last thing, usually before going to bed, mm. I would reflect on three amazing things that happened today. Nice. And I try and keep them relatively broad, so um, okay. it doesn't have to be earth-shatteringly kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Like appearing on your podcast or anything like that. <laughs> uh, it might be that I was walking home and there was a really beautiful sunset, and nice. that you know yeah. that just put a smile on my face. Um, or I hadn't had. I was able to get out and have a nice walk at lunch and just enjoy some yeah, fresh air. Yeah, that's great. I try and try and capture a bit of a range of things. Yeah. And then in addition to that, um, it asks you, um, what is there one thing you could have done to to make today even better? Yeah. 
and that just goes in there. And what what often happens is it will do an on this day reflection. Oh, great! For you. So as you open it up, you can go back over time and say, oh, actually, yeah, a year ago or six months ago, this is what I was thinking. And over time, as is often the case with journaling, you start to spot patterns and trends. Yeah. Uh, so you know, for for me, there may well be have been a pattern around. Um, oh. I shouldn't really have had that, you know, burger for lunch or um, maybe I should have gone to bed a little bit earlier so that I didn't, you know, lose out on any more sleep. Okay. Um, so, and then, you know, after a while, your voice nags you enough that you make those changes. Yeah. And sure enough, things work out better and you start to spot more amazing things. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I, I do my reflection. It's... it's, it's uh, I know some people do a similar thing in the morning, like a gratitude yeah. journal in the morning. Um, I tried that, but found it it wasn't kind of being too helpful as a habit. So, um, yeah, the nighttime one works really nicely for me. Nice. I like that. How, how about with you? Because you've got, you've got um, sort of, uh, you've got kids, but they're a, a little more grown up than mine, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, so my twin boys are 11 and my daughter's 8. Um, so I find that... Uh, I I can't I I've, I enjoy writing, but I, I don't enjoy writing for reflection. Yeah. Uh, not for my personal reflection. I enjoy it for pretty much anything else. Um, mm. And what I've learned about myself is that when it comes to my own personal reflections about stuff I need to uh, or that I want to reflect on, then I need to talk it out. So what I end up doing is I use the audio capability in Evernote to mm. just uh, essentially talk to myself, but mm. record it as, as a way of knowing that it's somewhere if I wanted to. I, I know some people who, who do similar and they go back and listen to their recordings. I don't. Uh, for me, it, you know, once I've said it, I'm, I've dealt with it. Uh, mm. unless, just unless getting it out of your head. Yeah, it is. It's just getting it out of mm. my head. And unless there's stuff I need to uh, further think on because I've I'm unresolved about stuff, then uh, then I will. I'll, I will come back to, um, or rather, I will uh, continue um, trails of thought. But I, I very re I, well. I say very rarely. I don't think I have ever gone back to any recordings I've done. Um, yeah, so that tends to be my approach. Is I, I tend to go down the audio recording route, and that helps me to do my mm. reflection stuff. And so we're, we're way into the podcast now, in in terms of the the longevity of the podcast. Have you got any <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> reflections on how things have been so far? How, how's how's it been for you hosting your own podcast? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I'm I'm just going to be coming up to the twelve hundred listen mark or download mark I think it is and and that feels good that feels nice um, this is the 22nd episode of it and it's uh, you know w with this and any other kind of um, social media tool that I use one of the things I've always been clear about in my head is that I I try and use I, I try and figure out how I want to use these things and then just have a good old play with them and so with blogging, with Twitter, LinkedIn, the podcast, I don't do them to try and um, you know build a brand or to uh, you know um, sell any kind of services or become a consultant in those spaces. It's it's just quite genuinely that I'm trying to just fully explore what these tools can do for me and what that means for kind of consumer life really mm. right and mm. thereby that informs a lot of what i think about in terms of organizational life as well and and what we do in that space so it's been a really good i think it's been running a year now i don't think it was quite november i started last year i think it might have been it might be actually i don't even remember but um mm. I, I think it was late last year and early this it was late last year I started the podcast and it's it's been in a um yeah it's been interesting it's been really interesting it's been really good like you know people have said to me and I, I've definitely found this true in myself as well that when I have guests on it makes it more engaging as a format 
And I totally understand that, right? Because that conversational element is always a draw. And, you know, that's why radio hosts, radio DJs are often in pairs these days is because of exactly that. It makes it more fun and enjoyable to listen to people having a, a good old chat with each other. And and so I totally appreciate when people say that. And the mm. ones where I record them for myself, I find it just helps me articulate certain things that I want to be able to put out there in the world and share. Um, but then, uh, and then, like, there, there are, you know, I, I, I haven't gone down, like, a sponsorship route with, spon- with the podcasting. You know, it's not... Um, it's not commercially um, a thing. I don't try mm. and make money off of it, and so it's not. I don't push it as much as it probably could be um, in and lots of other stuff. So I, I'm quite clear that it's it's for me. It's you know, th- there's it's really great that people want to listen to it and they do and they download and they you know that that's 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 a good indicator that there is. Um, there's a group of people who enjoy it, and therefore I'm happy to keep going with it until a natural point in time when I think, yeah, I think that's it, I'm done now. Mm. And then we'll see. Mm. You've been a, yeah. uh, a regular listener, I, uh, I I hasten to assume, Mr. Gilroy. I have, I have indeed. And um, yeah, I, one of the things I, I appreciate about it is that, that breadth of... Both your um, the guests that you've you've had on, my goodness, I was just finishing off the the episode with um, with Ryan Tamasebi. Yeah. Good, I, I I tend to um, listen to podcasts while I'm kind of pottering around the house or doing jobs or walking. Generally, it's, yeah. it's sort of something I do. I walk and listen. Um, and there's a point. I, I won't spoil this for your listeners if you've not yeah. caught up with that episode yet. But there's a point during that episode where he describes a particular uh, point in his 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 mental health journey. Yeah. Um, well, I, I found myself, I just stopped and sat down and, and I had to give it my full attention because it was such a compelling account. Yes. Um, and it, it's not very often, you know, I literally was stopped in my tracks <laughs> by, right. uh, yeah, yeah. by storytelling um, um, and your interviewing, of course, of, you know, of, of how, how you drew some of that story out of him. Um, I, I also really enjoyed your episode with Joe, that was, which was relatively recent. Joe Rowan White. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Looking at, looking at positive psychology and... and um, yeah, and I, I wonder. I found myself wondering as you were talking earlier on about your reflections about those um, solo pieces that you do, and yeah. you know, to what extent they are, you know, similar to your personal reflections on life and learning, mm. um, and and your you know your experiences, because a lot of them do sound like, you know, they're very much you, um, yeah, pondering in ponder mode. And that's that's <laughs> yeah. quite interesting to as well. <laughs> that's uh, that's lovely to hear. Thank you. Um, so, over the um, series of the podcast so far, um, what what else do you? What else? What other reflections do you have? I'm intrigued to know. I think it's always interesting to. Um, I've not listened to many podcasts from the ground up. Yeah, I've often I, they've often been recommended to me, and I, I pick them up. You know, there might be hundreds or so episodes in. Yeah. Whereas yeah. with this one, you really do see that evolution of. Um, of you kind of crystallizing this is what this is about yeah I mean, right. this, this is these are the messages that i'm trying to get out there um these are the stories that i want to help people tell hmm. and i think you, you can really track that um uh that approach over the course of the 22 episodes um so far and i'm, I'm sure it will you know further crystallize down as you as you carry on and so that's that's no. been really interesting to say yeah yeah um, uh, that's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And then just generally, you know, the yeah. the diversity of guests has been has been welcome too. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of the things that I noticed that, um, well, I, I don't again about your listeners, but something that's a preference of mine to listen to is when you've got a host who isn't afraid to um, gently push back and challenge, and, right. and you do, do that, um, yeah. rather than just sort of sitting and nodding along and saying, "Oh, that's great, excellent, well done." Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you're not afraid to do that, and that's you know that's always a pleasure to listen to. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I, um, I, I, I guess there's there's a part of me which is always naturally curious about stuff, and you know, I 
I also afford myself the privilege that it's my podcast. I can I, I can push forward a certain point of view if I want to. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it's not it, it's just as much as hearing about what other people have to say as it is helping evolve my own thinking and helping me to really actively think through what I'm hearing in and then wanting to be able to respond to that as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Nice bit of reflection there on the podcast to date. I like that. Mm. So. In advance of today, um, you, uh, we were talking about what we might be talking about in today's episode, and we landed on uh, coming back to something we picked up on the last time you were on the podcast, where we started talking about the um, we, we started talking about play and games, and um, and how we got into that. And you wanted to keep, pick that up and, and run with it a bit. Well, I remember at the time we we made a mental. I made a mental note around. Yeah. Uh, we started talking about technology. That was the, yeah. the theme of the it last was. podcast yeah. we recorded together around the impact of social technology. And and at yeah. the start of that session, we we began by talking about you know our own experiences of technology, particularly earlier on in life. And yeah. and a common theme that we shared was around having early access to um, computers. And in your case, that was around a kind of games and games consoles. Um, from all the way from an Atari up to a you know the sort of latest top of the range Xbox, um, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I think there's there's probably um, some linkages to well-being here and yeah. psychology, of course, the psychology of games. You know, of course, many books yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I, I wondered as a, maybe as a kickoff, yes, I could ask. I'll ask you a question about games. Love it. So let's do it. Um, so what is your favorite game and what does it make you good at? What is my favorite game and what is it that make and what is it that makes me good at it? Is that the, is that right? What, what does that game make you good at? What does it make me good at? Wow, that's a good question. So what's my favorite game? These days it's uh, it's a game uh, I play on my phone. It's called Marvel Contest of Champions, Ooh. and it's based on the Marvel universe of characters. Um, and for play for listeners who know about the likes of uh, uh, I can't remember what the what the proper wording of it is, but the the kind of Street Fighter style game. Mm. It's it's that, but with Marvel characters. Excellent. And um, it is uh, it is by far and above the one game I have kept returning to over the last, I would say now, three years, mm. where pretty much every day I'm logging into it. Because it's one of those where every day when you log in, you get a certain set of rewards and what have you. And then, um, as you, if you play, then obviously you get other types of rewards and what have you. Mm-hmm. So there's always a reason to get back into it, and it, that's probably the one that I, um, yeah, that that's the one that I, I regularly enjoy playing. What does it make me good at? That's a really good question. I think what I'm drawn to is that it gives me downtime. Mm. It allows me to just switch off to everything that I might be experiencing or thinking. And it allows me to to just not think about stuff. So sometimes, you know, uh, in quite very different ways, um, I will need to have to just not not engage with anything that's going on and that can mm. be because I'm tired and I've had a long day or um, I'm uh, uh, or uh, yeah I might have had some kind of um, argument or something at home or mm. I've had a particularly trying day and it's um, with the kids or I've uh, had a hard day at work or whatever it is and I just need to I just need to have some downtime. I need to just switch off completely. And so that's what that's what I'll do. I'll just go into the game and that helps give me that downtime to be able mm. to just not focus on stuff and yeah. allow me to just be free for for that for a bit and then uh and then it 
I, I don't I don't think I would say it rejuvenates me but it certainly helps to give me some mental space mm. yeah so there you go that's thank that. you for that yeah absolutely so yeah well, we'll come back to you said something there about not it helps me not focus on stuff which um yeah I'd love to, I'd love to drill into it a little bit yeah we sure. will we definitely will mm. so what, what, tell, tell us what it is for you Okay, um, so this is obviously the question's kind of I've interpreted it as a bit of a snapshot in time for me because I've yeah, had okay. many favorite games over the years. Um, oh gosh, for, many, for for probably for decades, my favorite game that I ever played was a computer game, um, yeah. and it was uh, a game that came out in the nineties called The Secret of Monkey Island. Um, okay, yeah, it was a point and click adventure game that was one of the funniest things I'd ever I'd ever sort of experienced. <laughs> yeah, but um, it was just. Yeah, it was about. You basically you play an, an aspiring pirate who's completely useless, right. um, and he has to go and um, uh, kind of go on an adventure, really. Yeah, and interact with a whole range of characters and and use the things that he picks up on his way in order to help him with his quest. Yeah, and one of the one of the quirkiest things of the game is that you you are encouraged to try unusual things so at one point in the game you have to get yourself across this huge kind of chasm to okay. a house to go and interview a guy um and you have you've got no way of getting across this chasm other than there's a rope um a single rope um and the after trying various things it turns out that the answer to getting across the chasm is to pull out um a thing that you've been carrying around for a huge amount of the game with right. no purpose at all, which is a rubber chicken, and then you <laughs> use that as a kind of um, uh, what would you call it? You sling the rubber chicken over the line, yeah, hold yeah, onto yeah, both yeah. sides of it, yeah. and you you, you kind of Swing, you slide your way down basically. Slide your way across the ravine, oh, and it's, it. it's that kind of sense of humour is all, all the way through the game. But it just think I remember at the time thinking, God, oh, yeah, well, never thought of that. Yeah, and it is. It's, it, it's a great one for for kind of curiosity and creativity. Yeah. Oh, but at the moment, um, I've been playing this game called um, Hitman uh, on my Xbox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, right. Um, you know this one? Yeah. Yeah, first person um, shooter game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So it's a kind of stealth action yeah. game where yeah, you yeah, play yeah. a kind of master um, assassin, yeah. uh, and you're given the task of um, uh, assassinating somebody in the map, and they usually, so, yeah, near do well. You know, this is not killing for the sake of killing. Of this course. is somebody yeah, yeah. nasty people. You, your job is to only take them out. And the interesting thing about the game is that if you go in kind of all guns blazing mm. and cause a huge commotion. The game doesn't reward you for that. In fact, that that will score you the least. Yeah. Even if you even if you find your target, um, and in fact, it will make it very difficult for you. But what right. what they encourage you to do is to kind of um, take various unusual approaches, and there are multiple uh, ways in which you could, um, you know, complete your mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, for example, you might want to hang around in a square and learn something about this person that you've targeting just by listening on conversations. And you might learn that, for example, they've got a, I don't know, a penchant for a particular cafe in a square and they like right. a particular type of cake. So then your challenge would be to try and work your way into the cafe, pose yourself as the chef, poison <laughs> the cake and leave it there for them to eat. And right. Okay. Without anyone knowing. And so, yeah, just uh, incredibly detailed ideas for a game. And, and so yeah. Yeah, there might be only seven levels, but you might go back and play them 40, 50 times to try and find different, different and more unusual yeah. ways. So, yeah, really interesting for kind of planning and strategy. Wow. Okay. You've really got to think ahead about this is how this is what I'm going to try and get make make happen. And if I make this move, you know, I, I can probably escape without anyone ever seeing me. And that will <laughs> make the, the most of my points. Fascinating, and <laughs> and so what? Um, I mean, it reminds me. So I, I never played Hitman, but I was a big fan of uh, Splinter Cell back in the day. Oh yes, great game! I mm. absolutely loved that game, and uh, it used to do similar, where you used to have to go around and uh, do um, kill the opponents in a very stealthy way, yeah. and. If you went in all guns blazing, then you just basically got into a real battle. And if you survived, you were lucky. And yeah, interesting stuff. But um, and go on. I guess lots of games are like that, aren't they? Even if you sort of extrapolate away from from video games and mobile games, yeah, it, there's an element of kind of um, constraint 
to really good games that make them addictive and that you come back and play them again. So even something like yeah. golf, um, outside of the game, if you were told that the objective is to get this little tiny white ball into the <laughs> hole over there, yeah. most people would just walk up to it and put the hole in there and go, yeah, I've won. Whereas yeah. Yeah, you're because right. the context of golf means that you've got these weird shaped clubs and that's the only way that you can get the yeah. clubs to kind of aim and direct them towards the hole. <laughs> it makes it makes you think about it in a different way and it unleashes your yeah. creativity um, and and really puts a big strain on, on your resilience in some cases. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's almost like this voluntary suffering that we put ourselves through yeah. in order to get to that state yeah. of, yeah. oh, I'm being challenged here. Yeah. You know, I, I put myself in this zone where I can, I can escape into it. Yeah. And so actually, so what you just talked about there makes me think... Um, one of the things I do want to that I that I do like about games and like well, Contest of Champions, one that I keep coming back to and playing, is that um, I do want to attain a level of mastery with it, mm. and I think I have a level of mastery with it, um, but I I am faced with certain constraints in the game where I can't progress because I haven't hit certain markers. So I have to. Mm. So th there's something now about the game aspect of it, which is, well, if I want to continue and I want to progress, I have to hit those markers. So I, there is that incentive there that I can progress further, and I certainly mm. haven't progressed far enough, not for what I want to achieve in the game. And it is that level of mastery that is what I do want from the game. Mm. Yeah, and the designers have. Have uh, placed that in you, haven't they? In a way, because oh, there's a balance, right? Yeah, of yeah. of get, giving you those rewards and those little notifications, and saying, "Yeah, you get, you're getting all of these points." Yeah, and you're doing well at this game, but also you could be even better if you could just, right? Um, you know, master those, master those other other areas. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting stuff. And go on. So I was, earlier on, you were talking about yes. um, what it makes you good at and, and what you get out of it. Mm. Um, there's there's a lot of surprising benefits from a well-being point of view of, of, of games. I think, and and even the fact that you chose an, an app-based game rather than something that was on a console is, is kind of curious yeah. to me. So for many people, if if they talk about you know the I, the stereotype of a gamer, yeah. it's usually somebody in a hoodie, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. a gamepad in their room by themselves, yeah, yeah, yeah. staring up at um, you know a console. Whereas actually, for most people now, you know, a lot of people could classify themselves as gamers because we're walking around with pocket, um, you know, pocket-sized well, yeah, consoles, right. yeah, with the, with all kinds of power in them to to do all all kinds of different games. Yeah, um, and it's that definition of game has really broadened over the last, you know, five to ten years. Mm -hmm. um, so the, there's there was a study by um, the Cognition Institute at Plymouth University, mm -hmm. um, which found that um, the game Candy Crush, oh yeah, can help people quit smoking or lose weight. Um, really? And uh, so they they found that um, well, actually, it was Candy Crush or Tetris. Okay. Um, so just a few minutes a day yeah. of playing those games reduced cravings by 25%. Wow. Um, compared to people that weren't playing them. Okay. Um, so the question is how? What's that about? What's yeah. going on there? Uh, so is the it, researchers it, in that study were thinking around... The, these have sim they're similar types of games, aren't they? Candy Crush and Tetris. Yeah. They're, they're yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. pattern-matching games. Um, and what they hypothesized was that they preoccupy a part of the brain which is responsible for our imagination mm. and visualizing parts of our life. Um, mm -hmm. So when it comes to the idea of uh, losing weight or, or quitting smoking, one of the key features there is, is the cravings often have us picturing what it's like to, you know, have that unhealthy meal or that extra right. packet of crisps or yeah. that extra cigarette. Whereas the pattern matching games, they're blocking that signal, meaning right. you literally can't picture the thing that you're craving. Okay, interesting. So they found that it's a way to be able to block the thing that's being activated, not block it, but the thing that's being activated just gets replaced. Uh, instead of you thinking about your craving for nicotine, you redirect it to, well, let me play the game. 
Yeah, it's probably more like a hijack, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's temporary hijack of that part. Nice. Well, I don't know how nice it is, but it's really interesting. Uh, on a related really note, because I want yes. to, because this is kind of, I think this sort of speaks to the piece you were referring to with with your with your game. Yeah. So um, there was a team over at Oxford University, and they right. found that um, Tetris in particular was um, incredibly powerful for people who had witnessed a traumatic event. Okay. So uh, if if people had witnessed a traumatic event and within six to twelve hours of that happening, they played Tetris for about ten minutes, it was significantly able to prevent um, PTSD forming. Why? How? So, so in a, a totally similar way to the Candy Crush example. Yeah. So that focusing on something visual like Tetris yeah. was hijacking hijacking that that center of the brain that, that has a tendency to replay and ruminate on negative events. Oh, wow. So it's helping so, you to be more resilient to the thing that you've experienced. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, there, was, there was a time limit on it. So, you know, if, if you were yeah, to get to access to time. those things, yeah, yeah. it had to be within six to 12 hours to, for it to have that significant effect. Right. Um, but, um, yeah. That is so fascinating. And and if I I find myself wondering, you know, with with your example and um and the Marvel game. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, you're thinking you know, if you'd had a, if you had a bad day or something had happened yeah. and you didn't want to focus on that stuff, it brings you there. Yeah. And it's and it's sort of occupying, you know, a piece of your mind that, that might be replaying and re- ruminating on some of those things. Yes, yes. Mm. Really interesting. Kind of fascinating to, to kind of also uh, with, with studies like that. I want to know how do they reach that kind of insight that a game can have that impact? Like, mm. what what would have what 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 needed to have happened in order for for a researcher to say, "Hey, you know what? We need to try and help uh, victims of um, trauma is get them to play Tetris." In the next twelve hours, <laughs> yes. And we want to test out the the impact of what that had. like. You know, why would they have? The, something must have happened, or something. There, there must be something else which led to that kind of insight to say we need to research that further. Mm. I'm really fascinated to know how, what, what that is. Yeah, me too. I mean, and I can I can uh, uh, get the links for the studies for you if you want to post them in the show notes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Mate. for sure. Yeah. My guess would be they probably work backwards from what tends to cause um, PTSD. Right. And then looked at well, how can we how can we get into that system? Yeah. In the brain, how can we interrupt all of those interrupt patterns it. that are yes. happening? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what do we know that's available that could qu- you could quickly access? That is um, so fascinating. Mm. Wow. And then. At a different angle, then. Um, so you you used the word a bit um, bit earlier uh, when you were describing um, some of the some of the gameplay and how sometimes people can become addicted to gaming. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm fascinated by that because, um, yeah, addiction is a harmful set of behaviors right it's mm. it's a harmful set of behaviors it's unhealthy it drives you to do quite destructive things so in the case of gaming where gaming itself becomes an addiction how uh, what do we know about how um people are supported to not Oh, or to to kind of you know to stop being addicted to, mm. so that they are able to you know get back into normal functioning life. Mm. Yeah, again, and that's and that's probably another one of the things where if you were to to take an archetype of a gamer, yeah, one of the things that would be, be associated with that with is somebody who doesn't leave their room, yeah, who doesn't interact with society, yeah, and is addicted to spending lots of time in these you know unreal world worlds. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, and and the challenge there, of course, is a lot of these games are, they're designed to um, take your time and bring right, you yeah. back into those worlds as often as possible using our reward systems. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are there are some really terrible stories out there of of, of people who have 
have suffered terribly at the hands of addiction yes. um, to games. Um, this poor, uh, poor teenager in um, Korea, I believe it was, who who um, who died whilst playing a game. He played for fifty hours straight, and oh. his body just gave up. Um, and uh, yeah, just just a dreadful thing to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. And 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 it was, it's after sort of examples like that. Mm. Um, it was added to the American Psychiatric Association DSM. The um, mm-hmm. yep. diagnostic statistic manual for mental disorders. Yeah, it's there. Video game addictions now, you know, labelled as a as a you know a classifiable disorder. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, because the, the other the other piece to that, to that which uh, sometimes sometimes worries me is that um, obviously people use language in loose ways as well, and so my kids will say, you know, Dad, I'm addicted to Minecraft. I have to play it. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, well, okay. I know you're not really addicted, right? Because uh, I, I see plenty of other stuff to tell me that. Mm. But it's the it's the loose language, you know, and yeah. looseness of the language that that gets used. And even I, I I even experience quite a few adults who use that kind of loose looseness of that language as well to say, you know, I, I'm addicted to have to do this or to have to do that. It's like, well, mm. you're not really addicted. You just you're just doing it, right? It's it's a it's, yeah. It's it's a very clear set of behaviours that you're choosing to do that. Because if you were truly addicted, it would be I would be observing so many other things right now that I would be genuinely worried about your health. And yes. I'm not, so therefore you're not, right? And it's not because I'm a um, uh, uh, a therapist, right? Qualified to be able to say mm. you are or not, but yeah, I know enough to be able to know what an addiction looks like. Um, and partly, um, be open about this, partly that's I have suffered my own addiction. I have suffered my own addictive behavior. I know what an addiction mm. looks like and feels like. And I know mm. what the um, markers of it are to mm. be able to identify if that happens in others, right? Mm-hmm. So there is, it, it is interesting to me then that when people use the looseness of the language, and clearly they don't mean it, but they're trying to articulate something else as well. Yeah. Yeah, and is that side of things something you wanted to talk any further about here? So, about your, you know, your story there. Um, I mean, it's something which I've I've, I've mentioned previously on the podcast. I spoke mm. about it when I uh, mentioned it when I had the conversation with Joe Wainwright, and we spoke yeah. about um, her support that she's given me around this space. And it's uh, and actually, what I've uh, one of the reasons I keep I do come back to the contest of champions game is it is one of my coping me- mechanisms. Mm. So it is one of my uh, it is one of the ways that when I recognise I'm being triggered by stuff, then um, it is it is a coping mechanism to enable me to not go into what what used to be a, a, an unhealthy set of behaviours, and mm. it does it allows me to safely deal with the stuff that I'm dealing with, and yeah. um, and and once a certain length of time has passed and I'm not feeling the same impact of the trigger then I know I can release myself from the game and allow myself to carry on and do all the other stuff I, I want to be able to get on and do mm. yeah I think I think very often with addiction isn't it it's it's um it's very beneficial if you've got someone else around who can challenge any behavior that's looking in any way compulsive or or yeah. in a way that's having a detrimental effect on your social life on your um, financial life on your mm. um, on your work life love life um, because often it's, it's it's somebody else flagging it up first isn't it yes mm. yeah 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 it is and it does take it does it does take other people to have to let you know that that you're being affected and that you may not recognize or, or rather, you probably know that you are taking things too intensely, or too obsessively, mm. or too compulsively, whatever the uh, whatever the way it is that you want to be able to describe that. But it often does take someone else to be able to say it has gone beyond what I would and what you might normally class as normal, and yeah. has quite clearly become unhealthy, and we need to deal with this. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and and, yeah, so, there's, oh. and there's there's a piece around um, how life and yeah obviously with that type of thing it's very diff- it, it's difficult to get the balancing act right between excusing it 
that yes. behavior and explaining it but that there are many explanations if you go back into sort of the evolutionary psychology yeah um where um what's his name um I can't remember his first name. It's, it's something like his, his surname is Tinbergen, I believe. He he talks about um, the idea of supernormal stimulus. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, he he came up with a term when he was looking at um, songbirds and their behaviour. Okay. And he found that they would abandon their own eggs, um, which are kind of blue and dappled with like grey. They're, they're really quite quite dull looking eggs. Right. If they were given um, kind of polka dot day glow dummy eggs right by a, by a researcher that was so large that they they couldn't even stand on them they kept sliding off and had to climb back on right. so these these things were so like vibrant and out of the ordinary stimulating for them they were compelled to right. spend time with them yeah. um, and it was and it's kind of it exists in all areas of, of behavior animal behavior yeah. but also our own so you know We'll sit in front in front of a television, streaming Friends, instead of going out with our own friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah you know, yeah, we'll yeah. you know we'll tend. What were those things that were around in the nineties? Tamagotchis. Tamagotchis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I well, <laughs> <laughs> I had one too. Yeah. Uh, how did it turn out? Was it? Was it okay? Uh, I I I just used to end up having fun with it, so <laughs> I I ended up killing it pretty much daily. Uh, uh, at one point, I did try and actually nurture it to see what would happen, but the bloody thing just used to have it such a set routine of 9 p.m. it would go to sleep, 9 a.m. it would wake up, and, and and you weren't allowed to do anything between those hours. And then, um, if you carried it around with you and it got hungry, it'd beep at you, and like you'd it be works, amongst yeah. a group of friends, and they'd be like, "What the hell is that, Sook?" And you're like, uh, <laughs> "Sorry, I've just got to feed my Tamagotchi." <laughs> and they'd be like, "What are you talking about?" Which is <sighs> <sighs> true. Fun. It's true. Supernormal stimulus. Super yeah, normal. it's out of the ordinary. Yeah. It beeps at you. you know, real people don't beep at you. <laughs> exactly. Even even babies. So um, they found that um, babies who have got um, the largest eyes yeah. and the smallest noses get more attention than babies who have the opposite. That's just discriminatory behaviour. Mm. I don't like to think that babies can be so manipulative of the adult humans. How dare I know. <laughs> <laughs> but um so c coming back to the play and the well-being aspect of stuff so um play is clearly a, a good thing for 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 people though yeah there's so much good there as well i think um with the the stories that we hear about you know the dangers of um, in particular, young men spending time with yeah. you know, with violent and and um, yeah, kind of uh, in the, uh, video games that glorify violence. Yes. They yeah, uh, yeah. they are not difficult to stumble across. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of you know in research that would counter that. Um, so you know, Call of Duty is a game that gets lots of attention because of that mm, approach. It does. Um, but there's approach in the um, there's a uh, there is actually a journal of play an American journal of play um, and and they conducted some research they found that um, any kind of traditional action game like that including Call of Duty yeah. can improve your visual ability attention uh, spatial reasoning and um, long term decision making yeah as well as many others um, so you know, it, there are trade offs. Um, as well, you know, get, getting that balancing act right of, of introducing those kind of games can be helpful too. And then there's multiplayer too. Um, yeah, right, absolutely. So multiplayer games are, are, are really, you know, are, are their own animal. <laughs> yes, they are. Um, yeah. But yeah, there, there was a, a piece um, of research conducted by the um, PLOS, the Public Library of Science. Right. Uh, and what they found was that people, if they're playing multiplayer games and they're in the same physical location, yeah, that actually created enormously high levels of empathy and connection between the gamers. Right. Well, yeah, because you're in the same space, you're trying to achieve the same the same goal, right? Absolutely. Even if it was yeah. a competitive game. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. There, yeah, there was yeah. two. So you know, if, if they were playing, you know, the same game, if playing Call of Duty, or if they were playing yeah. you know, like, in a tennis match or something uh, amongst each other, they they were yeah, you cool, know saying things. You, you like, oh, great, were, great yeah, shot yeah. there. Well done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which you can kind of see. Um, but then also some other things were going on. So they they had the psychological uh, connection that was increased, but also some physical stuff was going on too. So. Um, their heart rates would very often synchronize. Breathing, oh, right. brain waves yeah, were right. often synchronizing. Um, so, yeah, th these were there, whether or not they were playing cooperatively or competitively. No, it's interesting. Yeah, actually, I, I think about all the times when, uh, in my early twenties, there was a group of four of us, and we used to get together quite regularly just to play Mario Kart, mm -hmm. and. Um, it was Mario Kart on the N64 at the time. Yes. And it was a, it was a madly competitive game. And it was either that or it was Goldeneye on the N64. And like they were really good games for what they were Both at the time. Amazing games. They mm. were like the gameplay was just astonishingly good. And but because it was four of us, it was the perfect number, right? Because you had so everyone clearly had their own quarter of the screen everyone had their own choice of player or character or whatever it was and you know it it really yeah a lot of our strength of connection was massively due to the level of competitiveness but also um friendship that you build through that right the banter the jokes the Staying up until two a.m. Right? You know, I, I think I remember yeah. one Chris, one New Year's Eve. It was like one a.m. or something, and <laughs> we just jumped on the phone to each other and we're like, "Right, so who whose house are we going around to play?" Um, you know, I can't remember. I think it was either it was it was one of the two, and we were like, "Yeah, let's do it." So we, we went round at one o'clock in the morning, and we're like, "Why would you do that at one o'clock in the morning to just kind of play a game?" But we did right and it was I, th I think we must have got home at like three four o'clock in the morning or something and <laughs> it's just like but it's it's because it creates that strength of uh strength of friendship right and with mm -hmm. all of them i'm still well with two of them i'm certain like well, well okay so one of them i'm very very good friends with the other, with another one we are still good friends and with the third uh, i wouldn't say we're good friends anymore but we do still talk to each other mm. so there, there is certainly something there where yeah, the, the multiplayer games really do. You know, when, when you're right, you know, when it's when you're playing with a, a group of friends and you're, or when you're playing with others in the same environment, it really does strengthen a lot of that social psychological connection that you have with each other. Yeah, it'd be yeah. fascinating to have had someone to have put nodes on us to find out if our brainwaves were all in sync at the same time and if our heart rates were all beating at the same rate and all that kind of stuff that'd be fascinating to know that yeah yeah well, one of the one of the things i'm aware that does do this a similar effect is if you sing in a choir where, where, where people oh, have studied right. choirs and yeah. and they found that there's that sense of unity and connectedness that's so strong that they're very often totally in sync to the level of wow. breathing, heart rates, brain waves. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I had a similar experience with my friends um, growing up and, and I'm, I'm positive yeah. we never would have, if, if any of us were just by ourselves, we never would have spent as much time playing those games than we did when we were together. Yeah. <laughs> a, a great way to kind of build, build up a, a friendship group and, and, uh, yeah, but an orthodox, yeah. you know, I remember at the time it, yeah. it was considered an orthodox that, you know, there were, you know, there were different groups who were outside playing games of football or yes. other sports. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. we, we were inside, you know, playing games. Yeah. We were having a similar shared experience. And the end result of having a bonded group was, was very similar. It's just yeah. the way in which we went about it and, and the games that we chose were, were quite different. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, I remember when um, I was younger than that, and I, I had my Nintendo at the time, and I don't remember if I described it on the previous episode that you and I recorded, but my cousin, who was a few years older than I was, um, he, he just used to sit there and just watch me play. And that was how we, that was, that was our connection, right? It was, like, we, we always used to, 
be around each other's, house, each other's houses to play, right? So we used to play with Lego right before that, and then when the consoles came along, then we played on the consoles. But it got to a certain point where he just he just wanted to watch me play. I never really got it, but he just wanted to sit there and just watch me play, so I just did. And but what he used to do was he used to coach me. That's what he did. He used to coach Brilliant. me. It's like right. Don't do that. You need to go over there and do that. Remember, because if you do this, then we can. Then like he's talking like in we, right? They like you can do this and and like I think it used to be like Mario World, right? Which was the fourth Mario game. Yeah. So it must have been on the SNES at, by this time, yeah. And so and and that that was another wonderful game, yeah. And when there there were certain secret passages where you could get like you know loads of coins or uh, loads of. Um, uh, one-ups, and um, and anytime you, anytime I used to be able to do that and get there, we'd both be overjoyed. And I, I look mm. back on it and I think, but you never played the game. What were you happy about? <laughs> and um, but you know, it's uh, but these days there's a whole industry around esports which I don't get. Yes, you know, so yeah. football clubs hire people to play officially as their football club in these esport tournaments mm. and i'm like that's amazing but who would have thought that would have been a thing yeah yeah and and there's a there's a kind of virtual equivalent isn't it is it called, is it called twitch honestly it's called twitch where where people basically just broadcast themselves playing games um all oh, right and other people can jump in and they and they do exactly what your cousin was doing there and they and they watch other people all over the world yeah playing through a game and commenting on it so that they might have a little webcam with their face on it in the corner. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, me- I remember stumbling across that once going, what on earth is this? How- yeah. Who is watching this? And uh, yeah, sure enough, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a really, it's a huge industry now. Well, so what I've discovered over the last year is, that, so my boys, they got into Minecraft and this other game called Fortnite. And there are YouTubers who... Their whole u- their channels are solely about exactly what you just described. Them playing a game with a, a video with a uh, a second picture in the corner of them with a headset on, and all they're doing is commentating on the gameplay as they're playing it. That's all it is. It is it is genuinely nothing more exciting nor interesting than that. But it's for some reason massively watchable. And my one of my boys, he will spend quite happily hours of his day just watching somebody else play a game and then he'll go away and he'll be like yeah but dad i saw him do it so i want to do it myself and so he's 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 actively learning because he's seeing this but also he's doing he's watching it because of some kind of entertainment value which i don't really understand but these viewers they they are literally getting hundreds and thousands of views it's just it's quite mind it's quite amazing that's incredible. That's yeah, incredible. I just, I, I just never thought it would be a thing. Like, I don't want to sit there and watch someone else play a game. I want to play the thing myself. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, how would you... Yeah, so... Um, Back then, obviously, yeah. that, that was the scenario with you and your cousin. How would you feel about it now? If somebody, if you were playing, let's say, Contest of Champions, yeah. how would you feel about some a group of people sort of clustered around you watching... What would that be like? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I just, I, I genuinely wouldn't get it. I mean, like, fine, if you want to watch me play, you watch me play. But I genuinely don't know why. Like, say, mm. my when, when my kids are at home and they'll play Minecraft or they're playing uh, Fortnite or wherever it is they're playing on the Xbox. Um, or, you know, my daughter has her own version of stuff that she like. You know, but, you know, she'll play Minecraft and whatever as well. But she has her own games that she likes to play as well. And like, they'll say to each other, hey, look, come and come and watch me do this. And they will. And they'll say it to me, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just not doing that. <laughs> I just, I don't, like, if you want to show me an end thing that you want me to come in and comment on, then I can do that, right? Because in Minecraft, they're creating worlds and they're creating stuff. Yes. And sometimes they create some pretty amazing things. Um, and they will be like, that's actually really impressive. Like, you know, you've created mm-hmm. a whole castle with a moat. It's got a kit, it's got uh, rooms, it's got you know, all sorts and stuff, and I'm like, that's really, really, really creative and amazing, well done. <laughs> but you want to watch me watch you build it? That's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll say it to each other, and they'll be like, yeah, okay. And they'll sit there and just watch each other do this thing. Like, that's 
this is is it this is life like or this is gaming life how, how did that happen does that in any way mirror their approach to other kinds of games in the physical world so i don't know do they have legos and yeah and, that do, type yeah, of thing yeah, where, yeah. Where, and would you would you come in and watch them build a lego set uh, that's a good question. Um, only for a short while. <laughs> yeah. Only for a short while, because uh, and that would only just to be just to see how how they're getting on. Mm. I, 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 yeah, I, I wouldn't sit there just to watch them build a, a Lego set or something. Like, you know, if they get a, a large Lego set, and we have a lot of Lego, I'm a big Lego fan, so they've become big mm. Lego fans, and they've had all sorts of Lego over the years, so we have boxes of this stuff, and they they will get properly stuck into it to construct it, and all I normally do is I just I, I watch them kind of take it, take it out of the bags, and they start to follow the instructions, and they get on with it, and they do it. And you know, my my daughter from probably about the age of four or five, she's been building these herself, and my boys were the same as well. Mm. So it's and I I love Lego for that, right? It really allows mm. them proper independence of I can do this. Oh, you just follow the instructions, do what it tells you to do, and you you know place it where it's telling you to place it, and and they and they do it and they create it, and you and it's really impressive what Lego have done there to enable that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I love some of the messages that came through in the film, the Lego movie. Oh yeah, from a few yeah, years yeah, ago, yeah. where there there was a kind of this, you know, are you know, do you do you look at the set of the pieces and follow the instructions and that's fine, yeah. or do you look at the set of pieces and build whatever you want to build? Become a um, master builder. Become a master builder. Yeah, uh, yeah, had some really lovely kind of um, nuanced messages all the way through. Yeah, to, especially yeah, towards the end. And uh, you know there's a you know there's a reality show about Lego, right? No. Yeah, it's been on though. I think it's I think it was last week. Okay. That they had um, so it's like um, any any kind of any of the other reality shows around like um, cooking or baking or anything like that, right? It, it follows the same principles. <laughs> They're set daily tasks. They have to achieve a, creating a certain type of thing in a certain time slot, and it's not um, and it's. Uh, from what I've seen, I think it has to be like a, um, uh, like a, an adult with their child or something like that, right? So there has to be some kind of pairing in that kind of way. But um, the last <laughs> task that I saw them have to do was they had to create a scale model of what a mini golf course model could be, and then go create the actual leg, the actual life scale model of the mini golf course obstacle. Wow. Yeah, so some seriously impressive stuff that they had to try and go away and do. But it's it's, it's a proper reality show now. It's, they've they, you know they've proper gone into it as a thing, right? In terms of that, <laughs> that's phenomenal. It is. Yeah. So is it built? Do you think like a, is it is it a game? Is Lego a game? Is Lego a game? No, it's a toy. It's a toy. Yeah, because you can't. It, it, it's not. There's no mechanics to it. You're not gaming anything. Mm. You're you're creating and you're building and you're and then you create a kind of world out of stuff. But it's not a game because you're not. Mm. You know, there's no rules to it. There's no. Um, points there's no there's none of that mm. Mm. <laughs> good old chat about games loving this one <laughs> loving this one mark really good i love it <laughs> hmm. so um from in on the context of in on the on the um level of well-being and yeah. gaming yeah what would be uh, your advice for somebody who doesn't consider themselves a gamer and would like to look into gaming as a source for their own uh, personal well-being, resilience? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because um, so the pieces that we've been speaking about around the positive effects of gaming on uh, on people and you know. 
in, in other ways, what we also know is that people who do suffer from things like um, depression or anxiety or um, types of um, mental health conditions that are like that, if they're involved in some kind of regular gaming activity with others, it helps alleviate it because you're creating that personal connection. Mm. So, you know, there's often, um, or I wouldn't say often, there are different ways that you can help other help people to you know, break free of <coughs> certain patterns of thought and one of those is things like getting them to go along to like scrabble clubs for example in their local community mm. center which which has been a proven methodology to be able to enable uh, people to create better social connections <coughs> and feel like they're belonging to something because they um uh, because they're going to this club they they're playing a game they enjoy and they're meeting other people, and they're having you know normal social discourse around stuff which you would normally have. And so, it's 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 it, um, I think when we think about games and the if, if positive impact it can have on well-being, it's about recognizing that there's uh, it it's, it it talks to a certain aspect of human. Uh, connection which is really hard to replicate in other ways uh, and it just creates a natural set of um, uh, conditions which which uh, allow for actual in uh, proper enjoyable living so I, I think that's one thing to be able to just kind of really bear in mind and be really mindful of is that mm. um, you know it, it can have a very positive impact on our well-being and you know, earlier on, when we when we have spoken about how it can go down more harmful routes, it's that there's probably more um, uh, fundamental things which are at play there, which aren't being addressed. And so the play is being uh, used as a form of active um, you know, avoidance or active. Um, uh, uh, negligence or whatever the however we need to think about it where the person is um, not being in, uh, enabled or supported well enough to to work through other stuff that they need to be working through mm. good question what do you think um, I think um, ult ultimately we are wired for this stuff we're wired for games we're wired for play yeah yeah um, I don't have this at my fingertips, but I'll send you the link for the show notes. Um, there, there is a raft of neurological research which suggests that the motivation to engage in play comes from the brain stem itself. So it, this is really this is stuff that precedes the evolution of mammals. This yeah. is so hardwired into us that it it goes, you know, further and further back than, you know, our own, our own evolution from, from mammals. Okay, um, okay. So maybe, I think for maybe it, it's a case of if you don't consider yourself uh, a gamer, mm. perhaps you haven't found the game. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah have, a, have a good look out there and see what, what's out there for you. Um, I didn't need not be. We spent a lot of time talking about computer games and games that are on um, apps or... Yeah, it could well be a sport. It could be a board game. It could be a puzzle. Um, it, it's um, there, yeah. there's so much to choose from, and they 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 enhance our lives in different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They absolutely do, and um, and and, and you're quite right. It's uh, it's it, um, there is something around. Uh, yeah, and some people do find them to be just kind of frivolous, and you know, it's, it's not serious enough. Well, that's kind of the whole point, right? Is games aren't meant to be serious; they're not meant to be, uh, um, you know, f uh, give you philosophies of life, and they're not supposed to answer the li the questions of the universe. That the actual purpose of any game or toy is that it allows you an escape, um, mm -hmm. and so it is. It is about an appreciation of that, and, and some people choose not to want to have to think about it in those cases. In, in which case, you kind of have to hold your hands up and go, "It's fine. That, that, that's, that's, your, that's your choice." <laughs> there's there's lots of other people who are actively you know engaging in this stuff, and yeah, 
clearly Christmas is coming up, and what mm-hmm. uh, one of uh, it's, it's often the hardest set of stuff to buy your kids is what games mm-hmm. do they need? What games do they want? Because uh, the yeah, you know, one of the things actually, I uh, I know we were I'm kind of moving towards wrapping up, but um, just kind of quickly mention you know, what one of the things I really loved uh, when my children were uh, toddlers was finding different games and toys that help them to learn because mm. there are some brilliant stuff out there that really help them to do that mm. you know it's uh, not just um about kind of the rhymes and the riddles uh, not riddles sorry rhymes and kind of the uh, limerick uh, not even limericks what word am i trying to say um and nursery but, you rhymes. Know, the, the fun way mm. yeah nursery rhymes yeah right that kind of it's not just that stuff it's you know also things like uh, helping them to learn their numbers and helping them to learn their alphabet and all that kind of stuff using gaming as a way or using toys to be able to do that so it's uh, there's a lot of powerful utility in in what games can enable um, which maybe brings us back to the, the the original question of what's your favorite game and what does it make you good at if you yeah you know, if you're thinking about it in that context if you work backwards and say well if you've if you've got if you're working with um well your family or you know babies yeah. children what do you want them to be good at and that can help inform what game you might select for them yeah 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 that's a great point this has been a really really fun chat mark really nice exploration of gaming i've play. really enjoyed it too it's been really really good really great to just kind of chew this one over a bit and uh, a lot of fun to go down memory lane in in lots of ways as well uh, and thank you for your kindness in uh, kind of hearing uh, some some of my personal stuff that uh, been uh, more more comfortable to be able to talk about as well. Really appreciate that. Not at all. Always always a pleasure to come and join you for a, for a chat here. So thank you. So uh, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up, folks. Uh, it's been a it's been quite a lengthy one actually for us, uh, especially certainly for the episode as, for the series as well. So if you have stayed with us through to this point, appreciate you listening. And as always, uh, if you have enjoyed what you've heard here, then let us know. Right, get in touch with us. Always good to know what people make of the podcast and uh, the different episodes that we have. Uh, if you when I get in touch with Mark, I'll leave his contact details in the show notes, as I always do. And uh, that just leads me to say, I hope you have a good weekend, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And I'll catch you all on the next episode. Goodbye.